AOC member Keegan Randall. Welcome to this edition of ATR Radio. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula. Keegan Randall, Olympic gold medalist in cross-country skiing, was one of two new IOC members elected by athletes at the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang. Randall was the top vote-getter, followed by Emma Turo, the Finnish hockey player, who was also elected. Keegan Randall was born in Salt Lake City in 1982, but moved with her family to Alaska, where she grew up. She debuted in the Olympics at Salt Lake City in 2002 and competed in the next four Winter Games. She won the first-ever U.S. cross-country gold medal with Jesse Diggins in the team sprint event at the Pyeongchang Winter Games. She's now retired from competitive skiing, but active as a sports leader through her IOC membership, as well as a seat on the U.S. Olympic Committee Board of Directors. She has a son, two-year-old Breck, who didn't get to go to Pyeongchang, mother and son connected by FaceTime. Welcome to Around the Rings Radio. Thanks for having me, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, your Olympic career came to a, a glorious end in Pyeongchang, um, an Olympic gold medal. Uh, has it been a, a big step for you? <laughs> well, I, it was really funny because we, we won the gold medal in team events, so it's kind of great that I get to go through this whole experience with my teammate. And what we realized is that we've thought so much about winning that medal that no one ever thought about what would happen if we did. So it's been an eye-opening experience to see just kind of some of the new things. Uh, of course, right during the games, there was a lot of extra media things we did. Um, and then bringing the medals back to the USA and just kind of getting to share them around. Um, it definitely made that first month after the season ended pretty busy. Uh, but so, so fun to be able to share the medal with everybody. And just just now fun to have kind of a new platform to be able to to speak when you walk in the room as people just listen. And. It helps to be an AOC member as well, now that you've got that title to hang around your neck, too. Yeah, boy, it was such an exciting 24 hours for me in Pyeongchang, because we we won the gold medal about 9 o'clock the night before, and then at noon the next day, we got the announcement about the IOC Athletes Commission, and once I learned I was elected, uh, which is a tremendous honor to be to be elected by my fellow athletes, it was right into briefing meetings and getting a new credential and, and getting ready for the IOC session and uh, getting to participate in the closing ceremonies, and um, right away, I found out I was going to be on the USOC Board of Directors, and so I jumped on a board call with them. Um, so it's it's been a quick introduction, but uh, pretty exciting to have that new role. Yeah. Why did you decide to run for the Athletes Commission, the IOC Athletes Commission? I have been a fan of the Olympic Games for as long as I can remember. I mean, I think at five years old, I really watched my first Olympics and decided I wanted to be an Olympian. But as I grew up through sports, I realized I had an interest in how we could make them better. So I got involved at various groups uh, from the local level in Alaska all the way up to the international um, Federation of Skiing, uh, where I represented the athletes for my sport. Um, and I really enjoyed helping be an advocate for the athletes, but also help make sure that the athletes are, are cooperating with the greater system and taking some of that decision making and bringing it back to the athletes because there's often kind of a break in communication. And I think when everybody feels like they're part of something and working together, then everybody keep things going forward. And do you have uh, goals or topics that you want to address as, a, as an IOC member? Well, this is an eight-year term, um, and I realized that IOC is kind of a much bigger, more complex 
organizing body than than what I did within FIS. So I'm I'm going to take the first year or two to really just kind of learn learn my role, learn the people involved. Uh, but some of the topics that I'm interested in, I come for a cross country skiing that has been deeply affected by some doping problems. So I want to help uh, continue to strengthen our anti-doping efforts um, and help us move forward from that and make sure that perspective and that priority is is held of high importance. And then um, I also believe strongly that we need <clears throat> more women involved um, throughout the entire sporting process. We need to keep our our competitive fields. Um, stronger on the women's side. And I also think we need more women in leadership roles and coaching. And so I, I love that gender equality is a big issue within the Olympic Games. And I'd love to kind of see where we can continue to make improvements in that area. Now, what, what, what do you think needs to be done to, to make it true gender equality in the leadership of, uh, of sports federations in particular? Because that seems to be one of the tough places where that's uh, really lacking right now. Yeah, um, it's not going to be an easy solution overnight, um, but I think we need to kind of look at how women may fulfill those roles in a different way than men do. I mean, um, what I've noticed becoming a mom is that when you have a family in your picture, you really look at the, at the things you do and, and your priorities a little bit differently. And if you could do a good job of, of time management and, you know, fitting in, in a, an environment that's supportive of your situation, um, then I think you can really flourish. Um, you can still be a mom and you could be successful in the career. And I think for um, a lot of those sports administrative positions, uh, we just kind of have to create ways where women can come in um, and still have families and then come into these environments where they can really feel like they're supportive and effective uh, when it's the men in the room. Uh, do you, does it put demands on your time to be a member of the IOC, to work with the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, Board of Directors? And I'm sure there's other other jobs that are coming your way as well. <laughs> well, so far, my I feel like my role within the IOC has been a bit like an onion. I keep peeling back and finding new layers. Um, have you been a given lot a committee different... assignment yet? I have not been given a committee assignment within the IOC yet, but I've already been given some committee assignments within the USOC. Um, so uh, there's been a few meetings already, um, different things to be involved with. And then what I didn't think about was the challenge of getting our athletes commission just on a phone call when you have athletes spread across the world. So I was up at two o'clock in the morning to get one call so that it could be, you know, midday in, in Australia. Um, so uh, this kind of is a 24 seven job. Of course, it's not like full of things every single day, but there are, there are frequent calls. Um, there's a lot of information to stay on top of. And then the various uh, committees um, and things. So I'm looking forward to kind of working my way into the role of learning, but it's definitely something that has to fit in with amongst other things. And it sounds like uh, your young two-year-old Breck has uh, joined the vicinity here. We can we can hear him in the background happily. Yes, he up is here. up and awake, ready to go for the day. <laughs> um, the situ you mentioned the situation with uh, with anti-doping. And it's been a very difficult issue for the IOC as it came to the Pyeongchang Olympics. Um, before you became an IOC member, what was your viewpoint on how the IOC was handling the situation with the Russian athletes in Pyeongchang? 
I think overall I was I was pretty happy with the way things were being handled and that they were obviously taking it very seriously, you know, and, and, and taking the step to suspend the Russian Olympic Committee. Um, but that gave them time to really continue to really dig into these things further. Uh, I think it was great that they didn't completely shut out the participation of the athletes. They gave them a process that they could go through um, to kind of prove that they were competing clean. And, and I think that was a really positive step. Um, so. I think it makes a good statement. It's a very complex issue, um, and they're they're still working through it. And it's it's great now to be in my IOC role because I can I had my, one perspective as an athlete looking in, but now I kind of get to see all the processes that they have to go through and the different things. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just it's, I, I'm gaining greater appreciation for the complexity of it all the time. But I was glad to see that they took some pretty bold steps uh, because I think that's going to be important for. Uh, making the statement as we go forward to all the young athletes out there that they just, they need to, you know, they need to complete clean these, these federations and things they need to play along uh, because we got to keep the Olympic movement going forward. A number of athletes who said no Russians at all should be allowed to compete in Pyeongchang, that there should be just a, a blanket ban as a, a sanctioned punishment for the wrongdoing committed in Russia. Um, but you are not, in favor of such a blanket ban, it sounds like. Yeah, again, it's it's a really tough thing because I think what we saw in Russia was it was such a systematic thing that, um, uh, and there's a lot of athletes that are putting in a lot of hard work and, and probably doing things the right way. Um, it's So I'm glad that they had a route to be able to kind of prove um, that they were meeting the tests and doing their training clean because um, yeah. it's important for the legitimacy of the Olympics to have, you know, the world involved, but we also have to have people playing by the rules. What's it like to be an active athlete subject to on-demand testing, which you once were, I guess, now that you officially retired, nobody's knocking on your door at six in the morning? Yeah, I have to say after 20 years of, of being able to be tested at any point, any time and reporting my whereabouts daily, uh, it has been kind of nice um, to not have those early morning wake-ups, but uh, it was something that I was I was happily uh, agreeable to because it helped keep our sport clean and move it forward. And I and I know that with, on the fist side of things, they were having a lot more success without a competition testing that was unannounced than putting a lot of effort into the in competition testing. So I know that you know while it was kind of an inconvenience, a lot of us were happy to do it. Um, and I think that's going to be a con- a really important piece as we continue to go forward. And I hope that with the creation of the International Testing Authority, it can help just kind of make the, that testing process streamlined and consistent across all national borders. Because that's where um, I think some of the problems came is that some anti-doping agencies are doing a great job of testing. Um, some federations are, and then some aren't staying on top of it. So hopefully the ITA can at least set the best practices and, and get things a little bit more consistent. Did, did you ever have any doubts about the integrity of your competition uh, in the lead-up to Pyeongchang, wondering whether the the people who've beaten you in the past have competed fairly? I guess as an athlete, uh, I think really the only way that you can kind of keep keep going forward is to is to stay on the optimistic side. And because I had been able to be successful as a clean athlete, I'd watched my teammates become successful. I had gotten to know a lot of athletes on other European teams who I knew, who I felt pretty confident were competing clean and being successful. I 
tried to put the, the doping problem to the back of my mind. I think we were all pretty shocked when the McLaren report came out and named specifically the sport of cross-country skiing. Um, I know there's a few points in the past uh, in that period where we're not quite sure what was happening, where the American relay team finished fourth uh, and, and the Russian team was on the podium. But we just we came into Pyeongchang knowing we could be successful. We knew who our big rivals were going to be, and that's what we focused on. How important is it to, I don't know if you can say win the fight against doping, but to be in such a position that it does not discourage young people from taking up the sport and competing, knowing for sure that there's a level playing field out there. How important is that? I think it's one of the most important pieces of sport at at all, really, because um, if you take a step back, I mean, we've turned sport to this very professional, serious business. But at the end of the day, it's supposed to be about the purity of competition, of going out, going against each other, giving it your best. You know, there's always going to be a winner. There's always going to be a loser. But um, doing it clean and doing it in a healthy way and a fair way is the essence of sport. And that's why I think this still continues to be one of the IOC's major focuses. We have to keep that playing field as clean as we possibly can uh, to keep our athletes safe and to keep the integrity of sport. If we lose that, I mean, you see what's happened to a couple other sports that have had uh, doping problems. People lose interest because they just don't feel that what they're seeing is legitimate competition. And we have to keep integrity uh, the forefront. And we have to, the athletes that are competing now are the role models for the athletes growing up. I mean, I know the power of my role models. I, I get to see every day the power I get to have as a role model. And we need to be putting clean sport at the front there so that the athletes growing up know that's the only way to compete. One of the uh, 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 consequences or uh, benefits of your new IOC membership is the uh, seat that you have on the U.S. Olympic Committee Board of Directors. As you said, just literally hours after you were elected to the IOC, you were plopped into the middle of a U.S. Olympic Committee board meeting. Uh, you had one a, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and that has put you full square into the issue of um, sexual harassment um, as the USOC tries to sort things out in the in the U.S. on this matter here. Um, what would you like to bring to the USOC as it deals with this issue and other important issues for athletes? I think I can I can just bring the perspective of an athlete who has just recently finished competing. Uh, you know, we do have a lot of influences on the USOC board that have either been athletes themselves or are closely tied with athletic programs. But I think actually being an athlete yourself, it gives you kind of the insight um, where you can say, like, you know, what it feels like to be an athlete who is putting everything on hold to follow their dreams and what kind of mindset that puts you in and maybe what kind of some of the challenges are of, uh, when you don't have a lot of funding and you're, you know, this, this is your ticket to maybe, uh, making a lifestyle out of it. Um, so I think being able to bring that fresh athlete perspective, um, I think also being in close ties with, um, other athlete commissions. Um, so being able to bring some outside, outside perspectives, maybe for some other countries, um, may be helpful. But I also realize that I have I have a lot to learn, and I'm looking forward to kind of think just in what I've seen so far. It's an amazing group of people that cares so deeply about the Olympic movement, um, that cares deeply about solving some of these problems. And so I think so, 
part of my role is also really important for communicating that back out to our athlete community. Easy to just want to blame um, the decision makers as if they don't really care. And and I would say what I've seen so far, that's absolutely not true. So just being able to explain some of the steps that are being taken, uh, that this is a serious priority. I think the athletes really feel supported and, and buy into the process as well. Um. I made the observation that it doesn't seem to be affecting winter sports very much. Is is that correct? In your in your career, have you encountered anything like this, either personally or through other other colleagues, competitors in the sport in winter sports? I I actually have not experienced anything even close to uh, um, this type of harassment either myself or or heard about it through other athletes or other coaches. Um, if knowing what's been going on in some of these other sports, I just, uh, it's heartbreaking to hear the stories and I just can't, I, it makes me feel so grateful to have been involved in a sport where I've never, ever experienced that. Um, as an athlete who has, you know, put everything they have into pursuing the dreams, I can definitely relate to the position some of those athletes were in when they didn't want to say anything because their, their career and their goals were at risk. Um, and I, so I, I absolutely feel, um, you know, committed to making sure that we can try to reduce and, and get rid of, um, any of that kind of negative pressure where the athletes always feel, um, comfortable to report things. And hopefully we can, um, eradicate any of that negative behavior in, in the future. But yeah, um, I don't know why, uh, I, so maybe some of the winter sports have, have stayed clear of that, but, um, yeah, I, I have not experienced it. Uh, there are worries that young people are losing interest in the idea of the Olympics, Olympic sports. Do you get this feeling as well? Is this something that you think you can work to reverse? I think we we always have to stay on our toes. I mean, the world is evolving. Uh, tastes are changing. Um, I Just watching my son and, and what he interacts with. Um, it's just incredible. And so as the, as the Olympic Games, we have to keep being innovative. We have to, we have to hold on to a certain part of our tradition because that's what's so special, but we have to keep innovating to keep interest. And I think a lot of work is being done just on the presentation of the games, both in terms of, of the activation in the actual bid cities, um, to really get youth engaged in the process, not just during the games, but in the bid leading up, which I think is really important because if you get the local youth to really buy in and get be a part of it, um, then that that kind of spreads out. I also think just the the global connectivity of our world now with with all the different media options, um, doing better things with uh, how people consume the Olympic Games, how they can watch their favorite athletes, how they can be connected to a part of it. Um, I think we can really continue to be strong. You know, we're always looking at adding new events, which kind of keep relevant. You know, we'll be excited to see how surfing and skateboarding do coming into uh, the Tokyo Olympics. You know, we saw that that snowboarding and some of the big air events have been a really good um, inclusion into the games to, to cater to that young audience. But I continue to be impressed with actually how much the, the youth of the world still loves our traditional sports. And I think the, the Olympics is just an, such an incredible thing when you bring truly bring the world together uh, to celebrate the best in human potential. And I, I, I think if we just keep stay smart and keep doing it right and efficient um, and sustainably, then we can keep the Olympics strong for the future. You've answered this next question just now. Why are the Olympics important to keep around? Why have them? (laughs) 
it's it truly is the one the one event in the world that brings um, all of our countries together on such peaceful terms, celebrate the best in human potential. Um, and we've got some other great sporting events out there. I mean, the World Cup of Soccer is going on right now, but I think the Olympics, the Olympic Games, just it stands for uh, you know faster, higher, stronger, finding the best in yourself, uh, working together. Um, and I think our world needs that, where we continue to get separated sometimes um, and and fight our little little disagreements on the side. Um, sport seems to be able to transcend that. It was really encouraging to see, you know, North and South Korea come together, uh, marching into the opening ceremonies. So I think the Olympic Games, uh, the world needs the Olympic Games to kind of keep reminding us that we're all kind of in this together. Well, Keegan Rendell, new IOC member, USOC board member. It's been a real pleasure talking with you today. I hope we get to chat many more times. Yeah, I think a lot of exciting stuff will be happening on, so we'll be in touch. Thanks for having me. Keegan Randall, our guest on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula, your best source of news about the Olympics for 25 years, aroundtherings.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>